All right. Well, welcome back or welcome to the Next Level Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John Harris, and we are um, sponsored by Apex Performance, the only leadership and performance training focused for the security professional. And you know how we do each week. We bring on a thought leader, an expert, or just awesome people from the security industry to share their stories, unique perspectives, uh, and guidance and advice to security leaders and young professionals in the industry, how they can get to the next level. And I'm super excited this week to have the one and only Aaron Mann on um, young professional extraordinaire, access control expert, uh, super fantastic human being. Uh, uh, currently, I guess, are you Canadian citizen now? Is that official? Like, you know, uh, new hockey fan too. We can talk about that. Just uh, <laughs> uh, awesome follow on Instagram as well. Um, if, uh, if you're not doing that, I highly recommend it, uh, and close friend of mine and just, just great person. So Aaron, thank you so much for carving out time to be with us today. Uh, and what I'd love to start with is if you could tell us a little bit about, um, your background, your, your on-ramp into the security industry, how you got into it and kind of those first couple, uh, years in the role and what that was like for you as both a young professional and and a woman in security, as we know that those two things are often kind of challenging paths uh, to come into the security industry. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. Um, as I was telling you before we started recording, I got to break out my, my pink podcast mic for this. So I'm pretty excited um, and it feels very official. So thanks for the invite. But uh, my name is Aaron Mann. I am an access control enthusiast, which is not a brand I ever thought I would uh, have. Um, I'm a people lover. I'm a native of Cleveland, Ohio, but I live in Toronto, Canada now. And uh, I've been in the industry for about seven and a half years, which is crazy. Um, I joined the industry back in 2016. I went to a really small liberal arts college called DePauw University in Greencastle, Indiana. Um, which was still the best four years of my life. Um, and that education really set me up for a lot of success that I've had in the industry. But uh, I graduated from there and was just applying to marketing roles. I have a degree in communication and I knew I wanted to do something marketing related. Um, and so I was just applying to roles and Allegion, which is a, a major company in the industry, a manufacturer for door hardware with brands like Schlage, LCN and Von Duprin, uh, they were hiring for a channel marketing specialist role. And so my application kind of came across their desk after a couple of interviews, joined the company, didn't really know anything about them except that the brand of the door lock at my mom's house was Schlage. So <laughs> knew that they existed somewhere. Um, and then through five and a half years with Legion, got really involved with the industry. But the entrance into the industry was, like a lot of people, very unintentional. Um, but upon per further reflection, I was a housing assistant my senior year at DePaul, and I managed a bajillion mechanical keys. And I think that was actually my entrance into into access <laughs> control. So that's my that's my origin story. <laughs> I love that. I always tell uh, my first uh, I, I was a bouncer at a bar um, oh in college. <laughs> and and so that kind of counts. But, um, you know, my body was the access control, not not the lock. But uh, my true real, real job was I was a security officer, public safety officer at my university, also a small liberal arts school, not not too small anymore. It's got a lot bigger, but University of St. Thomas in St. Paul. And I worked a night shift and I had 80 keys on a key ring. Yep. And the first four hours I'd walk down campus from north to south and lock all the doors. Uh, oh and uh, the next four hours after break, I'd walk up campus and unlock them so that the students could get in in the morning. So these were, you know, your your public, you know, not the dorms. They had electronic access control, but all, all the other ones. And so I, I joked that I was like, I really learned the value of the of what electronic access control could be um, by by that activity that I did, you know, for, for uh, about a half a year before before going into my corporate role. Um, yes, between between that and the middle of the night lockouts that I had as an <laughs> RA, I really, really had a well respect for uh, people that don't lose their keys or their IDs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's hilarious. Um, so, you know, interesting. You know, what I love about so in your in your 
journey into the industry, right? What what often is interesting to me is is what I'll call the like the non-security security industry roles, like like marketing, like communications, like public relations, and and then how you can carve out a real uh you know niche for yourself. Yeah. If you fall in love with the product, if you fall in love with the industry, that like those are some of the most underappreciated roles that that there are with the company. So as you started to um like I like we had Tristan Vaccaro on um I was just before, thinking about that episode. And, and it was the same conversation, right? Of like of like, you know, you can you can become the best at at this or or actually, you know, like you have now, um, you know, carve out a whole career in an industry, um, just learning a lot about like the product and the way that it works along the way. So like, was there a point in time where, where, you know, at, in that, you know, first five years where we were like, yes, the got like, this is it. I'm in, I, you know, I, I, like you said, like I fall in love with access control and I want to stay with it. Or, or was that, is that kind of a newer, as you get closer to the seven, eight year mark, you're like, I've, you know, I've put in the time and now, now this is where I want to be. Or do you recall kind of what, maybe what that inflection point was? That's a really good question. You know, I think my experience in the industry has been so segmented by different roles. I mean, mm -hmm. I've been in the industry for about seven years. I've probably had 17 or 18 different jobs and they've gone the gamut from marketing and communications to building channel programs to kind of touching sales to all the way to operations. Mm -hmm. um, and I think when I started in the industry, I thought how neat would it be if I understood the technology and could be in a position where I got to use that technical knowledge to better whatever company that I was at. I want to really understand access control. They're complex systems, but I'm going to learn. And that was a little naive of me because I'm not a technical person at all. <laughs> I'm a language person. Um, I'm a people person. And technical details to me find their value when I can translate them into human you know, speak. Yeah. Um, and I think that I realized that I was really good at the collaborative parts of my job and being able to take things that I knew were important and translate those to other stakeholders, maybe three years into my time in the industry. So when I was starting to have kind of a more tech focused role at Allegiant, but I was working with a lot of partners mm. and we were trying to figure out how does their software integrate with Allegiant's hardware? How do we convey the value? And then how do we enter a vertical that hadn't been getting a lot of traction in the space? And, you know, I mentioned in my intro, I, I went to a liberal arts school and a lot of that education really impacted me. And I'm still in touch with this professor because I reach out to him all the time to tell him that I'm still learning stuff from my senior year capstone. But we 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 learned something called uh, uh, reception studies, which is a communication theory that basically says you can send and receive messages, but you're not going to be impactful as a sender of a message unless you're privileging the context that surrounds the recipient. Mm. So if I'm trying to tell you something, John, and I know that the things that you understand the best are in terms of leadership and growth and personal branding and things like that, telling you statistics around how influential a program was is not going to impact you as much as telling you success stories of people who went through that program. Mm. And so I started realizing that I had an inherent value of, okay, in these meetings, business leaders really need to know X, Y, and Z. Technical people really need to know D, E, and F. The financial people need to know a whole other set of things. And how can I wrap all of this up so that the human making this decision who doesn't need all of these details has the information that they need to feel confidently in making the decision? And then how do I surround him with people who can answer whatever questions he might have that really get him to a place of complete confidence in whatever we're trying to explain. Um, so I would say that I would say that role really helped me understand that I was never supposed to be a marketing extraordinaire. I wasn't supposed to be 
uh, a technical person, but I could really surround projects with the people who could make them go uh, forward efficiently. And that's kind of what I've used as the guardrails for every position moving forward. I'm usually an individual contributor. I execute on a lot of stuff, but the things that I'm best at and the projects that go the best are where I'm quarterbacking a bunch of different efforts and giving each piece of that collaboration the time, energy that they need to be successful, and then relating it back to the broader goal. There's a few things that there's some gold in there that I want to mine out. Um, one, it the 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 process of um, empathetic communication that you just uh, that you just explained cannot be understated. Um, yeah. You know, th- like there's um, our, you know, our, our mutual friend Leo Das often uses this euphemism that I've fallen in love with around the way that we have a tendency to operate in a security industry when the only two tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. He didn't make it up. It's been, you know, a uh, a thing that uh, a metaphor used, you know, for 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 eons. It 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 articulates though, he uses it in the framework of technology mm-hmm. of of like um, you know, locks and readers that's all that matters we lock doors we keep bad people out bang 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 everything's a nail i have a hammer right i i liken it in in your in in what you're uh, articulating as more this is how i communicate so i'm going to communicate like it to everybody if i'm a yep. technical person all i can talk is technical versus evaluating the 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 way it's going to best be received, like you said, the reciprocation yep. of the end user, um, and and this is an evergreen concept on whether I'm doing, uh, you know, I'm presenting to a board and I'm trying to influence different people to do different things, or I'm sales, or like you said, in a project perspective, where where I need to have a, a the proper portfolio of personnel and my team who can yep. talk to the right stakeholders and get them the information that they need to get. So I mean, that's super. I would, I would, uh, if you're a young professional emergent leader listening to this, I would, I would take that to heart and study it as a way for you to help get your point across to folks and, and round out your communication style and, 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 and not say, well, well, I just do it this way. Right. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an engineer. I hear this a lot. I work with a lot of engineers. Right? Well, I'm just, I'm an engineer. So I do things this way. No, you're choosing to limit yourself to be that type of person based on this limiting belief you've placed upon yourself. I know a lot of engineers who are CEOs and I bet you they didn't get there by limiting themselves to say, I can only talk technical talk. Um, right. So that's that's super impactful. Second thing I wanna dive into in a little bit more detail, how important was it for you and your growth? And I, I would say, you know, you say seven years and I'm, I I always forget that it's been that short of a time. It might seem like a long time for you. It's, it's a short time to go and do as much as you've done and, and cover as much ground as you have. How important was it for you to keep saying yes to new opportunities during that period of time? Um, especially, so my, my first eight years was with the same company and, yeah. and now I have a lot and then my second eight years has been many, many. Um, but that first 18, I probably had 20 different jobs for that first That's eight rather, yep. um, you know, you're in, in that first five to six, you've had a lot too. So, um, t- let's talk about that. I mean, am I, am I, am I making an accurate assumption by saying you, you said yes a lot when they were looking for people to do different things? Yes, I would. Uh, I'm I'm a yes person. It's so funny. Maybe 2021, it was the first year of the pandemic. So 2020 or 2021, uh, Maureen Carlo, who's a big, uh, amazing mentor of mine in the industry, she and I talked a lot and she said it was my year of saying yes, because I was being asked to do a lot of things industry related. Um, a lot of my involvement was taking off and she was just I still have it. She sent me a card that said like the year of we, but in French. So, oh, you, I, 
Um, and I think about that a lot because I've had this conversation with a lot of young professionals. It's been a conversation within Rise. I think I wrote maybe a Rise resource about it. Um, but my my biggest pet peeve about young professionals these days, and I'll include myself in it, is sometimes we feel like we are above some of the entry-level work that we're being asked to do. And while I understand the thought process that we are coming in to be professionals and we need to be trusted to do our jobs well and the administrative work that sometimes gets thrown on our plates like taking notes or scheduling meetings is outside the realm of what our role and responsibilities are to me those are the most critical moments to build trust within a company i wanted especially early on in my career to be at the table even if i didn't have a voice so if you were going to give me the responsibility of taking notes, I was going to take the best notes that you've ever had. I will probably write down the entire conversation verbatim, but there will not be a thing that is missing from those notes because you trusted me to capture what was discussed in that meeting. And if it was important enough that there had to be a paper trail about it, it's important enough for someone to have that role. So I said yes to a lot of that. I I did get pigeonholed sometimes into that role but the number of meetings that I got access to because of it was unbelievable and they were not rooms that I would have ever gotten an invite to normally so to just be told here absorb what's being said and heard and asked gave me visibility into how organizations make decisions have conversations weigh the different possibilities on the table and also showed me a lot about the nonverbal communication that happens inside of, of meetings or on calls. Um, and while I learned a lot about what to do, I also learned a lot about what not to do in those mm. positions. Um, you know, how did this comment make someone else feel or how did they react? Or could I tell that someone was biting their tongue and didn't feel like it was a safe space to voice concerns or that a project was going to be delayed? Um, and so I'm of the thought process. If you're given an opportunity and you can handle it, say yes. Because, and I've said this a lot, I try and keep gratitude at the center of my perspective. There's a whole lot of people that would trade one day to have the life that I have, to have the experiences that I've had, to get the access to my job, my career, the people that I work with. If I'm given an opportunity, I'm going to say yes, and I'm going to do it as best I can because not everyone gets those opportunities. And so if I can handle it and I'm not, you know, taking for granted my mental health or I'm not, you know, staying up all night and sacrificing my ability to do my job the next day, then I'm going to do it. Yeah. So, so powerful. And I, what I, I, I share your sentiment there and I agree the the, the number one value that I had in saying yes a lot early on was the access that I got mm -hmm. to. I'll give you an example. One of the things that I was asked to do was go manage the paperwork for all the clearances. So I worked for, for a company that did um, classified programs for the U.S. government, and all of our executives had to have clearances. Can you go, hey, John, can you go walk around and 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 get signatures from all the executives? Absolutely. Yep. Guess who was now on a first name basis with every executive? Yep. Me, right? Yep. As, as two years in as a security manager who typically would never talk to those people. Right. Um, now this, the, you know, the president, the executives, the vice president, they all know me. And yeah. I'm the one who comes and does their briefings. And I'm the one, all right, well, like, hey, and so like, and then they want to talk to you. They want to learn about you, like the good ones, exactly. right? Some of them transactional, but a couple of them are like, you're around. I see you. Yeah. And I see you doing stuff and I see you leaning in and, and taking on tasks that no one else wants to do. And, and, and what I now know is say yes to everything until you can say no to anything. Yes. And I now that. I can say no to anything. Right. But then I had to say yes to everything. And you will get that transition point where you can start focusing in on, on the things, but you won't get to that point you'll you'll be you'll be in a place where you're begging people to to give you something to say yes to and and you'll you know you if i didn't do that i'm very confident that I, that none of the things would have happened thereafter um yeah. to to get me to the place that that i want to get to where where now 
um, you know, I'm one of the people who gets to ask other people to help me with stuff and then help them develop their career and, yep. and look for those people who are saying yes. Yeah, it's huge. I, I recently, someone reached out to me and I don't remember what the entire conversation was, but they were talking to someone I think I work with now. And I was described as someone who does the work that no one else wants to do. Mm -hmm. And I was thrilled. I was like, that's a, yeah. that's a badge of honor. I mean, some of the work totally sucks. I absolutely hate it. But to be the person that can get something across the finish line, that's clearly been an issue getting across the finish line for however long in the past, I've made an impact and that's what yeah. I'm, that's what I'm aiming to do. So, um, yeah, I would say, say yes to everything until you can say no is a great, a great mantra to live by. And, and when you get, you're going to be known for something. So if you're known mm -hmm. as the person who can get the stuff done that no one else can get done, that's going to open up doors for you for future roles. It also, I mean, I work at a startup now, so I say yes to everything because you have to, yeah. because yeah. you're a startup, right? So right. it equipped me with a, with a skill set, you know, later in life where it's like, yeah, I'll do sales calls. Yeah, yeah. I'll do demos. I'll do whatever it takes because we're all in this together. Right. Um, you know, or if you ever wanted to be an entrepreneur, like you do everything. So, yep. you know, if you, and, and, and so it, it equips you with a mindset and with a perspective that, that you can, um, you know, get anything done that needs to, that needs to get done. And I think also, as you go, you, you do have to balance it. I think so my one caveat is as you become a leader, you got to delegate and understand how to give other, yes. other people opportunities. But we talked about this on my last episode with John Perillo around reloading your plate as you delegate. So if you continue yeah. to say yes, and you're, and you're delegating to other people, giving them stretch opportunities, then you're taking stretch opportunities. You're not, you're not living in the two extremes where you're doing right. it all and, and no one else is getting any, or you're giving it all away. And then people are wondering, well, what the hell is John doing? If he's just telling everyone else to what, you know, giving his work away to everybody else all the time. Right. That's actually, that's a, you know, that's a good point. Cause right now I'm in the point of my career where I'm, getting ready, I would think in the next year to have a direct report. Yeah. I've never had a direct report in a professional setting before. I've led teams, I've led committees, I've done that type of leadership where the delegation is um, critical, but I've never been completely responsible for someone else's career or mm. career trajectory as far as it goes with like development inside of an organization. I will say that this role at Brevo, I'm three months in, and I'm at the point where I, it's that pivotal transition point where I can't be saying yes to everything now. Mm -hmm. And my manager has been really helpful both for me and for the fact that Brevo is at a point of scaling our business to say that doesn't that doesn't belong to you. It needs to belong with this team. And it's because it's part of a growth strategy. And that's not that's not experience I've ever had before. So to have someone who's helping me understand those moments of when saying yes is an advantage and when saying yes is actually a disadvantage on a number of reasons yeah. is really helpful. So yeah. if you're thinking about this as a young professional, find someone who can help you navigate when you start to feel that change because yeah. it's, yeah. it's at least for me, it's natural to be like, yeah, I'll take on anything. Yes, right. yes, yes. Right okay, well, actually, no, that's going to be a detriment if you want the entire business to operate the way that it should. And that's just not like leadership I've ever had before because I've yeah. never been in a company that's been growing to try and scale. Right. Um, and so that's been an interesting piece where I'm like, oh, okay, I can't actually say, I've got to rely yeah. and trust that there's yeah. another team that has the capabilities to do these things. And I'm going to expect them to get them done because that's their job. Just like people trust me to get my work done. Yeah, you know, and and it going back to that communicative empathy and like understand like being it's a people bit and, and again I I say this all the time on the podcast or just in general when I talk to people I'm sure these same things are in every industry. I just happen to live in this industry and have now right. I when I worked in the aerospace I worked in security in the aerospace and defense industry. It was the same thing there. So the aerospace and defense industry, could you could swap that out for for security technology? And the two areas are, I think, um, very you know similar um, right. in operation and how they how they work. Um, but it comes down, you know, it's a people business and having yeah. relation positive relationships with people um, 
makes things easier for you. Um, yes. You know, one of the things that I, my wife, who, who's been a stay-at-home mom for maybe seven, eight years, is going back into the workforce. All of our kids are in school now. And um, so she's she had been a substitute teacher for a little while, but wanted to get something more permanent. So she's been applying. She worked as a, a business analyst and and doing kind of a retail analyst and projections and things for a large uh, a large box um, uh, store here in the Twin Cities. And she's looking to kind of go back and join them or other like like companies. And um, you know she's leveraged. She's like I haven't you know, I haven't talked to people a long time. I'm like hey whether it's been 10 years, five years, two years, whatever, these people know you, they liked you. They liked you then yeah. you haven't changed as a person, like hit your network and see, see what comes of it. Right. Um, in that period of time, since I, since I left the aerospace company, um, I haven't cold applied for any job that I've gotten. Me either. So since, since 2017, um, every job that I've gotten has been a relationship-based thing, either yep. me reaching out to someone saying, Hey, I want to come work with you or, um, someone reaching out to me and saying, Hey, um, are you interested in coming to work with us? Yeah. Um, I know it's the same for you. Right. And so like that, so personal, I think personal brand and relationships, in my opinion, help enable that, you know, what's your thought on how those two things go hand in hand? No, I think, I mean, I think it's huge. I think we know, I mean, you and me personally know how important having a network in this industry really is. Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes when you're just in the thick of things and you're working and, you know, you're not applying to a new job, you didn't just get laid off, you're not looking for a new opportunity, you can sometimes forget how meaningful maintaining your network is and how much intentionality it requires. But there is, there is nothing like a celebratory moment or a crisis to remind you of the types of people that you've surrounded yourself with. Yeah. And I saw it most when I was part of Latch's Riff in July, I posted on LinkedIn that I was looking for a new job and the sheer volume of people that I have either met, have relationships with, or we've interacted in some way who reached out saying, we've got this job open, look at it. I think you'd be great for it. Would you be interested in doing this role? You know, I have a friend who's looking for someone just like you or the direct conversation. My organization wants you. Let's talk about what you want out of your career was truly unbelievable. And one of the most awe-inspiring moments of my entire career. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, people were really sad for me that I got let go. Yeah, and, yeah. and so it was this, it was this crazy duality of people being like, you know, you'll get to what you need next or here, let's talk about what you need to get to where you need to yeah. go yeah. next. Um, and I think that I was kind of blown away because that was my first time going through an interview process in a really, really long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so some of the, every single job that I interviewed for came from a recommendation or a conversation. Um, and some of the roles were not actually full interview processes. Like some, I went through the normal recruiting yeah. interview process and other ones were like, what do you want to do? Okay. Yeah. Here's a job that we've built for you. Um, and I think that it is certainly, certainly a privilege to be able to have people in your life that believe in you enough to extend you a job because they know you, mm. but I will say one of my biggest pet peeves is when people say you're really lucky and it's like, no, I spent a lot of time building those relationships Yeah, and people wouldn't offer me a job with the salary that they're offering if they didn't trust me to do that job correctly, which means there was a lot of work that you didn't see to build that reputation or that brand for someone to say, she's a reliable candidate. She would be great on your team. She would fit in with your culture. And I think being someone who notices that in other people and being willing to share those opportunities when you see them with people in your network is even more rewarding than being the person receiving that support. Um, and you're never, ever too young to make it happen. I mean, I remember the first time I had an employee referral at Allegiant and it was a college friend and she ended up working at Allegiant and she's still in the industry. And I was like 24 which like, you don't really feel like you can make that impact on someone, but mm. 
you can. And yeah. so the the network and the relationships you build are really important. Um, and being intentional with the types of people that you surround yourself with is critical because sometimes you find out people aren't the best and it really, really sucks, but you're better for learning it and moving on without drama um, and just managing through what you thought could be to what it actually is. And let, so let's talk about that that network and that community building because you know I had a really unique opportunity. I think it was back in 2018 to get in with uh, see a rise on the ground level. Yep. Um, so what I refer to as there's um, there's pre Katie and post Katie. Yeah, because because the whole thing changed when Katie got her her um, amazingly creative hands on it and some of the people who were a part of it when that happened. Yeah. So it was very, very, you know, fortuitous. So so I was a part of it before and it was like Matt, Sfini, me, handful of other people at that time. And it was like just, just getting itself figured out. Then the gentleman who was in charge of it at the time, I forget his name. He left Sia. Katie comes in. She was yeah. already there, but she she kind of gets handed it. Like you're a young professional to figure go. this thing right. out, right? And so, in that first cohort, you have Matt Feeney, you have Mark, you have Kelsey, you have yourself, you have me. I think maybe um, and then, and there's probably a few other, but those are the ones who stand out to me yeah. because those are the ones that I still talk to today. Obviously, you and I are the closest, but like I like like that that group of people, because it was so I think we we you you take a step back today and you look at how like rise and accelerize as an event and that community for my yeah. money, it's the number one um young professional emerging leader community in the security industry bar none, full stop. There's nothing yep. like it, and there's nothing that creates more value day over day and now what i'm so excited of it as as being an alumni right because now we're, we're we it's gone through enough cycles where there's people who you know, have kind of like you know colin dupree and i as like elder millennials are kind of cycled <laughs> off right but you like it's it's so fun to see and then now get to look back and and like the, just today we they published the newest resource that's like you know about ai and i read through it yep. i don't read them all the time um I read the one today and I'm like, this is fantastic information. Like, this is mm -hmm. so good what we're doing and, um, and, and, and how this is serving others. But so when you, when you first became attached with that, um, and then started kind of building your network, maybe in or around that, I guess I make the assumption that that was kind of like a, a keystone, right? Like it that was, was kind of like the, a, 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 a building block for the rest of it. Um, yeah. you know, what was your thought process behind how do you do it and kind of like maintaining it over because you are super involved um in in the industry um and and you've invested in that. You've made it a part of your brand and identity and, and your focus and you're known for it. Um and and like so so thought process like kind of like how do you choose what to do and you know, kind of that saying yes, right? Because yeah. you can't say yes to everything. Um, and now that you find yourself kind of maturing out potentially of that young professional label, um, you know, how do you think about what, what do you do next? The, another great question. And I'll relate it back to college again. Can you tell that I loved college so much, <laughs> but so in college, I was an extracurricular girl. Like I was, that was what people knew me on campus for. I was involved in everything I could get my hands on. Um, and it was because I desperately wanted to build a community around me. Mm. And what I think is so spectacular about extracurriculars when there's not, you know, something tied to them, like a salary or a performance review, it's the amazing work that can be accomplished when people collectively believe in a dream. Mm. And that sounds a little pie in the sky, but I'm a rose colored glasses girl always um, and I get like a little emotional thinking about all of the things that I've been a part of, because since I've cycled out of them, they've blossomed into beautiful things that started as like a little baby seed that we planted on an idea and a bunch of people met every Monday night to make something happen. Um, and so rise is kind of one of those things for me. It's so funny because I'm not, you know, so I, my entire 
I guess, industry involvement kicked off in 2018 when I applied for the RISE scholarship. Mm. And I actually applied for the RISE scholarship because of that role at Allegiant I was talking about earlier, where I was like, I'm working with so many different stakeholders. I need I need some courses to help me get my hands in what they needed out of me as that liaison between departments. Mm. Um, so I applied for the RISE scholarship. That's how I got introduced to Katie. And it was my first conversation was with the old RISE leader. My second yeah. conversation was with Katie. So the timeline that you were talking about is like pivotal to when I right. started. Um, my first real instance interacting with RISE was at the first Accelerize, yeah. which is crazy because I was like, Minneapolis oh 2019. That was and right, it's, right here. It was, it was crazy. And I'll tell you what, 2019, when Accelerize was happening, was a really hard year for me personally. My mom was really sick. I was getting ready to move to another country. And I just, I wasn't that I felt like I was flailing, but that was a moment where I felt significantly grounded for the first time in a really long time. And I don't think that it's a coincidence that I was surrounded with the peers that I now consider my work family. Mm. Full circle, you know, now I've, I've, been at every Accelerize. I've helped, you know, plan some of the Accelerizes. I led the scholarship committee, which was my entrance into it. You know, it's grown so much. I think we gave out 18 scholarships this year. The year I won, so there fantastic. were only five was, scholarships. Yeah. So that growth is massive. Um, I've helped with the content side of things. So to see it actually gaining traction like it has this year has been transformational. The DE&I work, that was a committee that I really started working on with Katie with mm -hmm. the, the Time Mentorship Program, which mm -hmm. is a well-regarded mentorship program in the industry. Also the um, best program for my money, mentorship so great. in the industry. It's so great. Just to be able to link people with with such incredible mentors and mentees has been a really cool way to like learn how people are connected to each other. Um, but this year, and I guess if this is airing on Friday, it's not going to be... Uh, it's not going to be a pre-announcement, but this year I'm not going to be part of the main steering committee, but I am going to be leading the Accelerize subcommittee. And so for what I imagine might be my final year as being in a leadership perspective of RISE, full circle, my entrance was Accelerize and now I'm helping to strategically plan it is bananas is the best word that I can yeah. use to describe yeah. it. Um, But it's, it's wonderful. The number of people who have reached out to me who I've never met who have said, we know how involved you are with Rise or someone mentioned that they met you or someone loved that you emceed Accelerize. It gets back to me more yeah. often than it doesn't. And it is, it is just wonderful. And I feel like I'm doing something right. And now, you know, I'm in the moment where again, 2018 was my scholarship application. This year, I was able with Lee, who was my manager at the time, who told me to apply for the scholarship. He and I donated and sponsored one scholarship together. So great. And so, so great. it's just, it's really cool to be at the moment in time where I have either the funds, the effort, the time, or just the influence in the industry to re-support those same efforts, but in a different role. And I just love it. I can't, I hope one day I'm a millionaire so I can just funnel money into the things <laughs> right. that I love. Uh, um, but it's I mean, cool. But, but, and it's also that like, no, I mean, you and I have sat there in, I think it was 2020, both on the, on the Accelerize committee, yeah. um, scrapping together, like trying to figure it out, right? Yeah. Like, E, like talking to our employers at the time, you know, emailing any SIA member, like just, you know, you know, literally like counting the dollars to, so that we can afford to put this thing on. Right. Um, and, and then, and then selling the tickets too, right? Like there's not some, yeah. I mean, it's like not, it shouldn't be a secret that like SIA doesn't have an army of people sitting there in silver spring managing yeah. all this. Like I remember mm -hmm. going and meeting with Don the first time when I was, I just happened. I mean, I'm from silver spring. I grew up next to there. I like drove yeah. by that place a billion times and then went in there and met with them and was like, there's like seven of you guys. Like, how do you do it's all a, this? Right. It's a small lean team. That's probably one of the most like influential groups of people from an individual contributor yeah. standpoint yeah. in the industry. No, it blows yeah. It blows my mind, but I think about that a lot because again, it goes back to like, 
and I think this is the, this is the difference between a, a job and a volunteer opportunity or an extracurricular and what you were just talking about with Rise. It's a group of fairly lean, scrappy people pulling things together, but they believe in the dream so strongly. And then they go the extra mile to have other people take a chance on the dream. And all yeah. you need is people to take a chance on it once. And then we delivered what we said we would deliver out of the sheer force of will with this group that we had together. And now Accelerize is massive. And people yeah. are reaching out and saying, we would like to speak at this conference. We want yeah. to get in front of yeah. this audience. We were begging people. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I pulled the rabbit out of my hat and got the guy from um, the local, I forget the nonprofit, where it was like, hey, like, come speak about volunteering. <laughs> like we were, we didn't do, we, like we have people dropping out and not do it anymore. And it was, it was, it was like that for that 2019, like I somehow talked them into, I was like, but this was pre Katie. So she probably didn't like it, but I was like, if you do it in Minneapolis, like I can help with almost everything. Like, yeah. so like get it here and like, we'll make it happen. And, and, and cause Tim Wenzel, that's where him and I first met for the first time. Brittany Galley, that's oh, where no her and way. I first met for the first time. So what would go on to become GSD and spark so much and go into the kindness games and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That was some of that groundwork was sparked there. Um, you know, I presented there. I I had gotten yep. laid off from Linnell and and just went moved like hired by guidepost during that period of time. And, you know, presented there. And so that was a really interesting because I was a sponsor. There was a lot of my former coworkers there. And I was telling yep. my story about handling adversity and telling that story publicly, really publicly for the first time, um, which, you know, which has become such a part of, of you know, my uh, message of, of leadership and resiliency and and kind of getting up off the mat when when uh, when things don't go your way. So, I mean, that was such a pinnacle, like such a pivotal moment, I think, for I would say for the industry. Cause if you, if you kind oh, of tie yeah. back to like everybody who was there, what would go on, you know, five years later where it's at today, it's, it's, it's so right. fantastic to see, to see how far it's come on the back of so many, so many great people. Um, so shifting gears a little bit, but I want to maybe like wrap up here a little bit talking about mentorship. So yeah. you and I have had the opportunity to share some of the same mentors, um, some great folks who've influenced us over the years. Um, you know, we know a lot of the same people um, that may be, you know, mentors by proxy, um, but also just, you know, I, I can't understate, and this has been a theme on, on, you know, if you listen back to John, you listen to, to Tristan, listen to anybody who's come on the show, everyone's talking about mentorship. They've all yeah. saying, you know, somebody helped me get to where I am today. So can you talk a little bit about that and the, the importance or the influence and impact that mentorship has had on you? And then second question, follow-up is now as you're transitioning into, you know, coming across the line of being close to 10 years in the industry, how are you starting to think about mentoring others and what that looks like and what kind of positive impact you can have on the next generation of the industry? Yeah. So I think mentorship has been huge for me. Um, it's so interesting because both my sister, my sister works for Audible um, and I'm in a corporate job as well, but neither of our parents were from the business world. My mom is a healthcare provider. My dad has always been in sales um, and we didn't ever really have any family or home influence that taught us how to navigate the corporate world. What I will say and I think this goes back to how impactful my entire education has been. My mom really prioritized putting us in environments where mentorship was a natural aspect of whatever ecosystem we were in. Um, and so a lot, and it goes back to extracurriculars even, like we were part of leadership camps and mm -hmm. we had to be volunteering at you know, both my sister and I did like the City Club of Cleveland Youth Forum, where we had someone. It was a it was a youth forum that emulated the actual City Club forum, but for high school kids, so that they could learn how do you manage a board and how do you reach out to speakers mm -hmm. and how do you coordinate events and how do you ask the right questions. Um, and so she put us into a lot of experiential uh, learning environments. So it got us very familiar with mentorship without ever naming it as 
mentorship. It mm-hmm. was like, you need to experience things at a lower level before you can experience them at a bigger level because people will help guide and navigate you through this so that you're more prepared on the other end. When I was in high school, we I it's an all girls school. It's arguably the most impactful thing that's ever happened to me was going to Hathaway Brown. Um, and one of the things that they taught me the most, and this goes back to being mentored, but also being a female, um, was because they were an all-female school or all-girls all school, I'll say, uh, the slogan, especially in the lower school, was if everything's a girl's thing, nothing is a girl's thing. So mm. they exposed you to everything and socialized you to believe that you could do anything without anything being gendered. So when I got to college, and I remember this so vividly being in a women's studies class, a lot of the barriers that are very real that people perceived to have from a female perspective did not exist for me. Women in science, my sister was almost patent for a microsensor she made in in high school. Oh, computer science, we had the number one robotics team in the nation. So I started seeing that mentorship is also representation. Mm. And I think that's really critical. When I got into the industry, um, mentorship became huge because I had no idea what I was doing beyond like the very easy marketing tasks that I was tasked with in my role. But figuring out like, what do I do in meetings and how do I act and what time should I show up? And how do I dress because appearances matter? And how do I hold myself? What is the etiquette at a networking event? How do I follow up to someone that I've met that I'd like to keep in my life, but I've never done this before became huge. And I'll say, especially during the pandemic, after I moved to Toronto, I was blessed with probably five incredible mentors all at the same time during one of the most challenging years to be separated from everything that I knew. And they just continuously extended their hand to me Mm. and asked me, what did I need? What was going well? What was I struggling with? What were my goals? How could they help me get there? And it wasn't that they were doing things for me. They were spending time helping me learn how to think Mm. or plan or strategize or take a step back or stop freaking out or like all of those things. Um, And I think it just comes from like a willingness to want to help someone because we all remember a pivotal moment when someone else helped us and how great would it be to be that for someone else. And so I haven't found myself mentoring people in the industry as much, but I have noticed I grew up babysitting um, and There are so many of the kids that I used to babysit now that reach out to me weekly about stuff, whether it's this happened at a party at college or I'm stressed because I keep, you know, not doing well on these tests or I'm having boy problems or I don't know what to get my mom for Christmas. And to know that they see me as a resource for the random things in their life that challenge them means that I did something well when they were little and I'm a person that they can trust. And I think that those will translate into more professional mentorship opportunities for me later on. Um, But I think, you know, when you get to where you're going, extend your hand behind you because we need more people just raising each other up. Um, And it's a lot more powerful than all of the efforts people have of tearing each other down. So I'm a big proponent. So well put. And I think there's, again, some gold in there that I want to pull out. And one thing, maybe just to reframe and emphasize, I, I'm i going to go on a limb and say that none of those five mentors were a formal mentor program that you were connected with. And they were, you know, so they, so what I want to tell people is that they, these do not have to be folks that you get paired with. And if those formal mentor programs are great to kick it off and understand and maybe that's where they start um it's more likely that they're just like virtuous connections that you had through your volunteerism or other activities or former bosses or whatever the case is where where they were folks who invested in you at some point and and you said yes to things like we talked about before and then they um wanted to continue to invest in you because they wanted to see the best uh happen for you um, because you're a good person. And so 
you know, that's something, some valuable, I think, um, especially like when you move from, you, you move from reporting to somebody to have a great boss and then you get a promotion or you move into a new role or they leave or what happened. Like, I encourage you to stay in touch with them Absolutely. because now that dynamic has changed and they have a different perspective because they can now tell you things that maybe they couldn't tell you before when they were your boss, right. they can, yep. they can nurture you from a different angle. Um, you know, again, like two people, you both, both and I've worked for, like I text Leo desk more than he probably wants me to, uh, he's probably sick of it. I just texted him this weekend and he's like, Hey, sorry, I need to pay attention now to my son's flag football game because he's someone that I value his opinion. And even, even exchanging a handful of text messages with him really helps me. And, yeah. and it, it, you know, moves me to great places. I have other people like that in and out of the industry. And so you shared your yeah. experience of like, so I coached lacrosse. There's kids that I coached years ago, decades ago, who still reach out to me for even to just check in and be like, Hey, this is how the season, like, sometimes they just want to, they just want to tell somebody something they seem right. to be heard. And maybe you're the only person that they can, that they can confide in. Um, and, and I, I would also tell you, Aaron, that, whether you, whether it's formal, formal or not, there are people who have seen you speak on stage, who have read your content, who will listen to this and who you are mentoring without even knowing them. And so, Amazing. you know, you, seeing you, I, I, I think it was at the, um, at Lee's event and you were on stage and, and, and then you spoke at, I think ISC East, um, yep. on like, so like, like there's people in those crowds who look up and they see you and you look like them or you sound like them or, or you act like them and they're going, that's what's possible. So like, I want to acknowledge you and recognize you for the fact that all the things you've done, all the extra yeses that you've said yes to, um, the opportunities that you've took people, you're, you're sparking the next version of you, um, by setting an example of what could be possible, um, so, so thank you for doing that because one of the, maybe the last thing I want to touch on here is, um, you know, when you, when you and I first connected, you know, all those years ago, you were, you were the specific question you asked me is like, I think I need to get a certification. Um, and I don't know which one to get, so what should I do? And, and the question I asked back to you was like, why, why do you want to do that? And so I won't, I won't, I won't go through that whole conversation because that's a you and me conversation, but what what really the topic of it was that um, young people and specifically young women in our industry um, don't always get the opportunity. They're sometimes typecasted into you can do marketing, you can do HR, yeah. like you can do this stuff, right? And, and really typecasted and not given the opportunities, not taken um, not taken seriously. And and you've really worked harder than you should have had to to get the opportunities that you've gotten and blaze the trail that you've done. So as a woman in the industry, who's who, and, and again, I think, you know, we talked before we press record, like it has gotten better from, oh, from yeah. where it was five oh, years yeah. ago to where it is now, the representation, the, the programs, the emphasis on it needed, necessary, not good enough, but better. Um, but kind of, if you wouldn't mind kind of sharing that experience of what it was like to be kind of a woman growing up in the industry yeah. and, and what you've learned and what you might impart for other, you know, young women who are entering the industry, young professionals in general, but women in particular who come in and her like, how do I fit in here? How do I figure this out? You know, and, and some of those, you know, kind of adversity that you overcame uh, to get to where you are. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with finding your confidence. Um, I think I, at least, I feel like I'm a pretty confident person. I have my anxieties like everybody else, but for the most part, I've been blessed with feeling pretty, pretty good about the person that I am and the person that I present myself to be. And I think a lot of it has come from the last seven years in the industry because, you know, my first role in the industry it was a marketing role, but I was supporting a sales rep and we were traveling all around the world and not around the world. That would be cool, but that hasn't happened uh, all around the U.S. And we were going to like very traditional. Um, they were like interline brands and like Home Depot and Fastenal and Granger and these like very not sexy 
not exciting businesses to work with, but absolutely critical to business success. Um, and I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't come from a world that knew anything about that. Um, and I was a 22 year old woman at a table with no one but men who could be my father. And I learned really quickly that my personality and my confidence and my ability to be myself and not give off an air of vulnerability in those situations really helped me. I feel very fortunate that while when I was coming into the industry, I think things were really different. My first like two trade shows, one of them I planned some a bunch of people actually came into the booth and asked me if I was like the hired booth babe. And I was like, no, but I am responsible for getting you into the booth because I planned the entire strategy of the show and being willing to combat a fairly sexist comment with yeah. legitimacy gave me, it was like a shock of power, which mm. sounds really stupid. Um, but it was like, no, okay, you're, you're asking this question. I'm saying, yes, that was my job, but not for the reasons that you think. And then yeah. I was, I was able to do it. Um, but I think that finding, you also have to find people who are willing to champion you and who are willing to say your name in a room full of opportunities in a good way. Yeah. And that comes with trust and resilience and grit and I think that that's why the industry has made so much progress. The women in this industry are unstoppable. They know what they are doing. And one of the things that my mom always told my sister and I growing up was be so good that they can't, no one can take it away from you. Mm. And she was like, when it comes down to it, whether or not it's true, there's an element of the world that's a meritocracy if you are the best, if you are doing your best, not a single person can take that from you. Mm. And so no one can take it away from you. No one can say you didn't earn it. It might not be the best in all of the group, but if you used your talents to the best of your ability and you left nothing on the table, then you can hang your hat on that and you can move on to the next thing. And I think that's probably where it comes from. Yeah, no, that, that, that's fantastic and great. You know, as a, as a, father of three girls i'm hypersensitive to um to what their future is going to look like and feel like and 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 um and how you know i'm having conversations with my 14 year old daughter now that um you know that that i didn't i wasn't ready for as far as like you know next year she's in high school colleges yep. professions and equipping her with with again the confidence um that and 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 the the tools that frankly like for my seven-year-old son you know won't be necessary right i hope i'm wrong um and so you know i look at that too as like as the opportunity for the industry to continue to to level itself and look at at you know like you said be a meritocracy where we look at um, where can I get the best person? Um, right. and, and also when it looks at getting young people and, and particularly young females on opportunity talent over tenure, like, yeah. you know, you know, really hammering home, uh, giving people a shot, letting them grow into the role. Um, and, 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 and just helping them develop, as being part of your job versus, you know, you see often in our industry has a tendency to just recycle the same, you know, people into other positions at other companies doing the same thing. And, and if they're really good at it, then I guess more power to them. Right. Every time you do that, you're losing out on that, that 10 X opportunity and next level explosion you could get if you brought fresh blood in with different perspectives right. and different experience. So you know, that, that's kind of one of my, um, I guess, shouts to the mountaintop of the industry. And, and yeah. again, I, you know, the, 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 the positive feedback shows we're on the right track. I, I think we could be doing a way better job. I think the bigger companies in the industry could be doing a better job. 
Uh, yeah. but, um, you know, we're, we're making changes in a step-by-step. Um, I will say one, one more thing on that, that I'll just throw in here is there are certain elements. And I think any, any woman or girl will tell you this. We don't, we don't make it easy to be a community of females. We are ruthless to each other and it's horrible. And I think that there comes a time when you have to make peace with that. Women are so much stronger when there's a sisterhood mm. um, and not one that's fueled on competition or outshining someone else. And it's purely about celebrating the other person. Or if you get a seat at the table, um, move your chair over or say like we can both stand to make room for each other i think that's really really important i will say there have been so many women who have championed me in this industry there have also been a handful who have done the exact opposite mm. there have been a significant number of men in this industry who have championed me and then there have been ones that have done the opposite the deterrence to success when it comes to mentorship or representation no no gender i'd say but the sooner that we can get on board with celebrating the people and their contributions and their talents and their experiences and what they can mean for the industry infinitely betters the whole industry. There's not a single person that doesn't benefit from bringing those individuals in. So whether they're a, a woman or a man or a non-binary individual, if they have the skill sets, the gumption, the grit, the effort, or the willingness to do a job that we need them to do, give them every opportunity to succeed and don't be one of the people that takes away from their ability to do that. Because that grinds my gears so much. So young professionals out there, don't take it from anybody. It's, it's uh, <laughs> industry success is not a zero sum game. No, I mean, like, uh, look at that it, big acquisition that happened this week, $5 billion. Yeah. 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 That doesn't happen in this industry. Somebody yeah. did something right to make that right. happen. Right. And like I yeah, I'll I'll save I from from a business uh perspective and like technology, I'll, I'll save my comments aside totally um, fine. about what 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 could happen. I mean, so it's a great it, it's a great example of saying you know, I, I use this speaking of Accelerize, I participated in a in a in a channel debate a couple of years ago. Oh, I remember. <laughs> and I used this, I used this one uh, metaphor is that um, I can have all of the cupcake or a third of the wedding cake. Don't let needing all of it get in the way of having more. Yeah. Because if, if you, if all you care about is that it, I just want all of it, then you're really going to, you're the, the, the whole of that all is always going to stay small, right? As you lean into partnerships and, and ecosystems and relationships, and you can say, Hey, five of us can go get this huge thing. And my one fifth of that big thing is 10 X bigger than all of this small thing. Right. And that's where I think we, we get in the way of, of that opportunity for just how big the industry truly is, how much opportunity right. there is, uh, and how going together. And I used to, you know, um, Colin uh, used to talk about this all the time about kind of coining this phrase of coopetition. Um, oh yeah, uh, Colin from Salto, and and you know that was a you know thing is like it, there's a there's a small chance that any that there's not some crossover with i mean like you know take my company and brevo right mm -hmm. you look at like are there other things that our companies both can give an end user yes um if we allowed that to get in the way of us potentially working together you won't work with anybody right right so so um so don't let the need to have everything get in the way of actually getting everything right right and um, celebrate this, the little things too, because those are often what amounts to the biggest things. Like so good. This, uh, this is so stupid. Today I did my first successful V lookup on Excel, and I'm not an Excel person. I think I texted like 14 people. I was like, <laughs> I did it. I'm an Excel up. genius. It took me 45 minutes, but I did it. And I think those are some of the moments when you you need to surround yourself with people who are like, hell yeah, you did it. 
you did yeah. it. Good job. Yeah. You like, need, you need to be, you need to have a team of cheerleaders and you need to be a cheerleader as well. Yes. Um, yes. I did, I did a training. So I, I also do um, performance coaching and leadership coaching and, and, and I did it for a high, a group of high school athletes. It's kind of like a, Ooh. a side, um, what a good like, demographic like, for it. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, it's more of like, I do it cause I love it. Not because, you know, you know, it's, it, I don't get, you know, I get the gas money gets covered. That's about it. But I, I told them the story about, um, the, like, how do you treat somebody when they're at their lowest? Yeah. And, and that will, so I talked about a, a team that I coach where we lost the championship game lacrosse game in overtime. And so in that moment, at his lowest, like, how did we treat that goalie who just let right. in, who just, I mean, so, you know, everything all season builds up to that. You get to overtime, you know, one thing happens, you lose, um, you know, the same way we treat them when we win it all. Right. And, and like, and just the trust you build for treating people and being their cheerleader, no matter what is happening in their life is like, they're going to reach out to you in those, in those moments. And, and they're going to want you to participate in their success and then yeah. they're going to participate actively in your success. Um, so, I mean, and and we mentioned this before we press record around like, don't forget to measure the progress, right? You know, yeah. it's so us as, as both high performers, young professionals, um, and just eager individuals who, who like to be successful. Uh, it's often easy to just look forward to the next thing, right? I've got this done, yeah. moving on, got this done, moving on and not take a step back and measure how far you've come and how you've blown by potentially all the goals you have set up in the past that you didn't even think were maybe possible. Like, you know, five years ago, could you consider like, I'm going to move to a new country and like, you know, do all the things you've done and like, you know, you you know, travel, you know, to Europe, like you did, you know, when we worked together and do those things and have those experiences and like MC an event, like all that stuff. Like now you're just like, yeah, that's a Tuesday. Right. But like, then it was like so far away. So, um, you know, don't forget, like you said, to whether, whether it is a V lookup or, (laughs) or something else, uh, you know, pop that champagne when, when, when you have the opportunity, um, Aaron, this has been such a fantastic conversation. Um, people, are going to learn a lot from listening to what you what you've shared with us here today. I really appreciate that. Um, I feel like there is a panel um, at a future Accelerize event around some of these topics. So we'll have to maybe I have there to submit be. something to your to your uh, <laughs> to your committee to see if we can we can build this out in, into uh, some sort of conversation. But um, that would be awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. Uh, you're a wonderful person. You do so much for this industry. Uh, I appreciate your friendship and let's go do great things. It is It is very mutual. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for lending me your platform for a, a couple minutes to talk about everything that you and I honestly always talk about when we get together. Um, but thank you. And thank you for the work that you're doing, spreading all of the stories of all of the really cool people that are part of the industry. I'm I'm grateful to be part of it. Absolutely. Appreciate you, Aaron. Bye.